2: Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And today we thought we'd talk about anger. Yes, we're
0: gonna to try to have a one-topic episode, but I kind of feel like anger touches everything in my life right now. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it kind of does.
2: <laughs> it's a fiery furnace.
0: It's a fire. Oh my god, it is a fiery furnace. I'm just gonna say this one thing. I went to the acupuncturist last week, and I was like my hot flashes are out of control. Like they're happening almost like contractions when like you're, you after a certain time of night, they're happening almost like contractions when you go into labor. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I just at like six 30 every night, I just start getting hot flashes like every 20 minutes mm. and they last. And basically until I wake up and she told me that I should think of menopause that I'm probably close to the end, which it feels young to me at 49 to be close to the end. But close to the end. And she said, that I should think of it like a firework show. And this is the grand finale.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe a woman said that to you. How old was she? She's younger than me. She's probably in her 30s. Yeah, we'll see how she's feeling about those fireworks in 20 years.
0: She was like, it's just, you know, this is the grand finale. And like, in some ways, okay, great, because I want this to be over. Like, I just want this to, I don't care. Like there's sadness and grief about fertility and, you know, that stage of my life as a woman and whatever, but like, also I just want this, the, this, this fucking physiological hell to end. So, I mean, I know there are new things in straight up menopause, but like this just up and down and up and down, I just, I want it to be over. But anyway, I've been really angry about, that <laughs> <laughs> i'm really angry about that and then my second story of the week that i've been really angry about which i've told you which i'm gonna talk about now and again this bitch with the hair but i went in to get my <laughs> hair cut this week and this was the second time i had seen this like hipster like caught i don't even know do people you still use the word hipster i do they do you know i
2: do but i'm 58 years old
0: i don't know if it's like one of those old-timey words at this point, hipster. Anyway not getting off track. So I go in the first time to this, this hair salon that's new and hip. And like a lot of young people are going into, cause I want a cool haircut. Right. And I go in by myself and this is last fall and this very cute guy cuts my hair and he gives me this like incredible kind of sexy shag. And at the very end, he's vibing with me. I'm not doing anything, but he's vibing with me. At the very end, he like pulls down his mask in this sexy way and like wants me to pull down mine. I'm like, okay, dude, yeah. give him a good tip, whatever. So subsequent to this, I think he's a good, I think he cuts hair well. So I bring my kid in a couple of times to get their hair cut. And do you know he cut my hair for the second time this time, brought up my kid, how cute my
2: kid was,
0: and... Then gave me a middle-aged lady haircut.
2: (laughs) So infuriating. No
0: sex vibes, no nothing. It was just like, I was now middle-aged mom to him, and he was not going to take the same kind of care, nor think about me, like, I guess, style-wise, visually, in the same way. It really felt like just a totally different experience. And it's everything we talk about, like... Being desexualized, being invisible, being all of these things. He just wasn't interested in me in the same way. And I I have been infuriated and I'm now infuriated because I'm going to have to find somebody new to cut my hair because I don't want like a, a, you know, dowdy, middle-aged, layered haircut. Um, so anyway, what you've said looks fine, but I, I can tell the difference.
2: <laughs> no, I understand. And that's just so infuriating and the kind of anger that can really send you in a tailspin. Like not not major, but not minor. Something you'll be reminded of every day. Yes. It's hard to know what to do with anger like that. Like other angers, like I've been reading a little bit about anger and there is like anger, anger, which can be corrosive. And then there's what they call virtuous anger. Okay. Which is motivated by, you know, racism, sexism, all the things that we have in our world that we want to correct. It's that in-between anger that there's really nothing good to do with.
0: Well, it's just like annoyance. And it's just like, ugh, you know, like, for example, this morning, my husband woke up and went out to his car and someone had written in soap on his car, the word fucker.
2: I believe I saw that on Instagram this (laughs) morning. Okay.
0: Now he is fucking furious about
2: this. (laughs) Like,
0: okay. And this is the second time his car has been defaced. Okay. Like any
2: clues as to why is he parking illegally? Uh
0: Okay. (laughs) Hold on one second. So, So this is the second time something bad has happened to his car. The first time someone, (laughs) this is not okay, someone keyed the word move on the side of his car. Okay, All right. This is horrible. These are horrible stories. My husband parks like an asshole. He parks like an asshole. We live in a neighborhood where parking is extremely tight. We only have one parking spot in our driveway. And we trade off on taking it. It's been my turn for the last couple of months. And when he has to park on the street, he parks like an asshole. And today he was parked taking up two spots,
2: Uh just
0: two. And in LA, that's like a big deal. You cannot take up two spots. And so he came back in and he was like, I can't believe these people. And he was so mad. And I was like, you got to stop parking like an asshole. And he's like, are you you on their side? <laughs> well, and I was like, no, I'm not on the side of the vandals. Anyway, we we're both mad about it because I was like, it's mean to park like that. <laughs> like
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That there's a whole specific kind of like rage, not just road rage, just rage about everything related to cars. Yes. And nothing good can ever come with that because basically the rage you feel at somebody when you're in a car, the person you're feeling the rage for is usually a stranger. Yes so you can just like put all your shit on them? Yes. Um, yes. yeah, I was I god, I talked about this on the podcast a long time ago, but I was walking the dog in the morning in my neighborhood and a guy just ran a fucking stop sign as I was crossing and then he pulled up to a building right near me. So I walked up to him and banged on his window. It's like those are the moments I really scare myself. Yes. Those are the moments I really scare myself when I have like sudden rage. Yes. You know, like I was walking down the street a few years ago on the Lower East Side where I lived and a woman was walking toward me Mm -hmm. and I moved out of the way because she was walking, heading right for me. Mm -hmm. I moved out of the way. She moved toward me again. She walked past me. And as she walked past me, she hit me. And I just turned around and went, fuck you, asshole. Like without even thinking, which was not the right response.
0: It was not the right response, you know my understanding of anger because i mean we're going to get into all of this but i i don't know if my relationship with anger is healthy i grew up in a family I grew up in a really aggressive italian american family you know you know middle class working class you know everybody's just confronting everybody all the time loud angry in your face right i also grew up in philadelphia which is a really tough city and just like people are really confrontational there so when I've been in more rarefied, <laughs> elite, genteel, which is, the, which is the spaces, which are the spaces I've moved into professionally, I have been very much like the angry fish out of water in those situations. But my understanding about anger from a lot of many years of therapy is that it is a secondary emotion that is hiding something else, right? It's, it's a reaction.
2: It's a reaction
0: and it's hiding, uh, you know, either it's covering or it's the reaction to sadness or fear. And I think I have lots of fears. I have fears of, you know, in more intimate relationships, fears of abandonment. I have, um, fear of, of, of a loss of control, safety fears, you know, these all, these all go back to like, you know, how you, the attachment that you had with your parents, mine were adult teenagers who were also mad all the time, but were also fucking neglectful, you know? Right, Right. So I have real safety issues and people do, you know, a number of different things with safety issues. I fight back. Yeah. And that served me really well in terms of survival. But not every situation is dire and about survival.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think about how I was when I went when I went away to boarding school before when I was in high school in Houston, I was just sort of invisible. But I went away to boarding school was a smaller place. Everybody was, you know, everybody knew everybody. And I think I really had a reputation for being kind of a bitch.
0: Mm
2: and. I just remember being really unhappy and feeling really misunderstood. Yeah. And that's just how shit came out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's well, I mean, because there's also is this also the, the sexism layer to this. But with you, I don't think of you as being angry, but definitely intimidating. And, def- and intimidation sort of gets into this intimidating. And yes, a bitch, <laughs> like, a, bitch <laughs> a bitch that I adore and love. Like, I like bitchy people. Like that's, that's the thing because also either being intimidating and seeming like a, you know, quote unquote bitch or being confrontational, those things trigger a lot of, a lot in other people who maybe aren't, you know, don't have their emotions on the surface or are, you know, less self-aware or more insecure or just not comfortable with Anger or big emotion generally. Which yeah. took me a minute to, to really sort out in my life that like, oh, this is an affront to other people. Just the way that I naturally am and communicate is making this other person feel unsafe. Even though my reaction is because I feel unsafe. You know what yeah. I mean?
2: Yeah. I When I was younger, I used to talk shit about people a lot. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's not something I do anymore really mm-hmm. at all. Mm-mm. except with my closest friends and only about certain people at yeah. certain times. But, um, that, that kind of talking shit. I remember one time saying something about someone to another person who knew both of us. And she said, you know, she only says nice things about you.
1: Oh.
2: And I was like, slow your role, Kim France.
0: Well, I mean, that sort of shit talking is so It's so much about yourself and how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your place. It's it's trying to create an intimacy. It's Mm -hmm. by shutting another person out. It's trying to establish like social dominance or like, you know, social importance,
2: you know? Yeah. 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 I think that's true. I mean, that's just all like
0: unfully formed ego stuff. I mean, but believe me, I I did it way into older, older than I'd like to admit.
2: Yeah, I, I I did too. I did too. And, and and I feel like part of it is a, is a um, professional thing too. In our world, it
1: -hmm. was a
2: way of making yourself feel better and like ratcheting yourself up a little to make other people, you know, but the people I talk shit about, I think about it now. We're all more talented and hardworking than me. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I did that. I I always felt bad about my, I always felt like I was not very talented, like always. I mean, I still have to sort of overcome that. My biggest anger triggers were about injustice, inequity. I remember we worked with someone, um, and not like inequity on like a global scale, but like what I deemed like
2: Mm -hmm.
0: unjust. And I remember we worked with somebody who I fucking like my biggest, one of my biggest triggers was scammers, like people who are just fucking playing everybody and people weren't mm-hmm. seeing it. Like I just, I know crazy. that you don't like that. Yeah. That makes me, I just, I hate a scammer. And now, but now I can see now that I'm older, I can see, oh, the, the joke's on them. They're the one, like they're moving through the world like this, you know. Like yeah. that's 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 their problem. But I personalize that kind of stuff. And well,
2: yeah. Yeah, I personalized something the other day that I'm really, I'm I've been puzzling over why I'm so angry about it. A friend of mine who's come into a great deal of money is about to make a disastrous financial decision.
0: Mm, interesting.
2: Even after making this disastrous financial decision, she'll probably be okay but it's a terrible, terrible decision. And I'm certain she's being taken advantage of. And I just, I was so angry when she told me about it that I said, I can't talk to you about this ever again.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. I mean, but you know, good for you setting that boundary,
2: I guess. I guess. I don't know. It didn't feel right. And I said, you know, I know this isn't my business. Yeah. I, I, it just, it's not my business, but I am I mean, she, she's a very dear, dear friend mm-hmm. and somebody I guess I feel protective of. But I'm, I've been trying to get to the bottom of, like, why is this thing, which is none of my business and will affect me zero yeah. percent, except if there's, you know, fallout on the other end. Right. Like, why is that making me so angry? I don't know. That's so, that's so interesting. The
0: things we personalize and get mad about, I don't Oh um I know.
2: I know. And then I was thinking about, you know, and then I was thinking about other angers like where the only the only thing to do is accept. Yes. Like when I was going through my divorce and my husband, who would was not what we would call the world's most supportive husband. Um (laughs) Well, just start with the fact that he went to a writer's colony while I was in radiation.
0: Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yep. <laughs>
2: I may not have been the best wife. That also is true. But he for sure was not very supportive, not of my job, um, not of anything. And um, he decided he wanted a decent chunk of money from me because I was making a lot of money back then. And there was really, you know, the laws are on his side. Okay. And he and I wanted to fight it. My attorney made it clear to me how expensive it would be to fight it. And I realized I had to settle with him. And that rage, that rage I felt about that was just so corrosive. And I I was angry in a way that nothing good was ever going to come from. And there was nothing I could do to change the outcome. Nothing rational I could do to change the outcome.
0: No. And I totally get that. I mean, but think about everything that was wrapped up in. That was so intense. Like, the sacrifices you made to make that money,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, like
0: the sacrifices you made to make that money. Like Lucky was a success. Lucky was smart. It was before its time, but Lucky did not make you happy.
2: No, it never made me. Never happy. made you happy.
0: It it made you have to play a role that was not organically who you were.
2: No, and it because I I remember saying this to you even back then, like. I have to be in the fashion world in order to do my job. But like this magazine was created as a reaction to the fashion world. Yeah. Having to play that role and do that. God, I was just thinking about it the other day, how much happier I was a week or two out from getting fired when I just like slowly, I felt like I was defrosting, you know, yeah. Like slowly, I came back to myself, and I remembered who I was before I had had that job.
0: So your anger toward your ex husband was wrapped up in your anger at yourself too. I think because all that money you had to sacrifice so much, and of course you were gonna that was a, it was a no brainer that you were gonna do that job, that you were gonna keep doing that job. It was success. It was you know success at the highest level. You can get success in our world. Yeah,
2: it was a hard thing to walk away from. You
0: couldn't walk away from it, but it was eating you away like i mean
2: very clear very obviously yes like you know like i was you know i I could have been behind a diorama at the museum of natural history
0: (laughs) yes 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 a hundred percent and then to have worked for that and then the spoils be the money financial security everything you had worked for and all this all you had put into that like and all you had sacrificed and given up which was a lot of yourself right yeah to then have to give this man this money like of course you were out of your mind with rage because it was wrapped up in so much
2: it was wrapped up in so much and it was also like you're using laws that were put on the books to protect women for yourself women who like did sacrifice and didn't work so they could support their husbands and throw dinner parties and you know do whatever else with the wives i mean that's why those laws exist um but i hear what you're saying i mean yeah. i hear what you're saying it was caught up in a lot and I mean this was a man who literally would not let our books be on the same shelves. And then when it came to money he was like, but it's our money. And I mean if he had been standing in front of me when he said like the things he said the last time we ever spoke and I had a, I had access to a knife, I'm not sure I would be free today.
0: No. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I just needed to laugh at that.
2: No,
0: <laughs> I'll tell you that this goes into, we're talking about injustice and and inequity. My relationship will never be equal, no matter what the fuck I do, no matter how I, no matter what I do, no matter what I refuse to do, no matter how I set it up, no matter how I communicate. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just because I don't think that the, I mean, and maybe it's this way for other people, maybe somebody else has cracked this code, but for example, you know, my husband and I do the same thing. We write books and we make podcasts, right? He wrote a book during quarantine. And while he wrote that book, he had a spacious life where he went out to our garage and wrote every day and came in and ate the dinner I had made. And then he did the dishes and then we started the next day. Okay. And in the meantime, I did all the breakfast, all the homeschooling, worked myself, did everything. About two weeks ago, I said to him, this is my really big crunch month for this book. I need to get this shit done and out. And I'm just going to need you to like take things off my hands. And for a number of reasons, he can't take everything off my hands. But really, the number one is that he just doesn't anticipate all the needs of our family like I do. Uh Uh So I'm always going to lose a little bit. Unless I let things go to shit, which I can't let things go to shit because we have a child. And I'm so pissed off about that, that no matter what I do, no matter how I try to set it up, I will always kind of lose. Uh. And I love him and i married, you know, the best that you can, I think, of... (laughs) Of of men, you know, I married a a sensitive, smart, funny, handsome, evolved, liberated man, and still I cannot fucking fight the imbalance, and it drives me out of my mind.
2: Yeah, you're not the only woman who's said things like that to me.
0: I I mean, I, 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 I believe it, and it's small things. It's small things like, you know, he was taking our kid to school today. But didn't wake up early enough so that he could do all the prep before school and then also the dog had to get walked which he usually does so basically he took the kid to school and i walked the dog and i just wound up in like you know i didn't i didn't gain any time
2: i mean so all, you're you know, living you're living a sort of if if i want this done correctly i have to do it myself life is that part of it like <sighs> it's just like it's not going to happen if you don't do it
0: It's not going to happen if I don't do it, but it's just not going to happen, period. Like, I just have to either accept, like, just things will really kind of start to fall apart and I need to be comfortable living in the falling apart life. Like, will our rent get paid if I don't remind, you know what I mean? Like, just all kinds of things. But like, will Charlotte's PE uniform be washed? It's not like the rent. It's the smaller, like, things on the sides that are so many details, all the emotional labor that, you're either a person who k- keep all that shit in your head or you're not or somebody else tries to force you and it's just like i can't do math really and like if you were like okay jen every morning you have to do six algebra problems i would never be able to do that Me so neither. going back to the thing of acceptance like this is just unfortunately not what he's great at so it's not just like oh sitting in a house with like you know dust bunnies on the floor
2: mm-hmm. it's
0: more like oh, a lot of things are just not going to be remembered and our life is going to be less smooth. And I guess that's either the acceptance, which I'm not willing to give up, or our bed will never get made, et cetera.
2: I get it. Sorry, that was a
0: long, that was a long bitchy rant. And I'm probably just, I'm probably just in a, there's probably a way to do this that I have not thought of, but I have tried everything to create equity in this relationship. And I just, I can't.
2: I wonder if it exists for any, I mean, it must exist somehow for somebody. But, you know, the other interesting thing about all of that, and the reason why I think so much of it gets gotten away with, is because women also, there have been studies that show that when men express anger, it's viewed as anger, and when women express anger, it's viewed as sadness. Interesting. I think, I
0: thought it was just, uh, I just thought it was just seen as being a bitch. It's just like, you're a bitch. That's a bitch. How was your, how was your relationship with anger at work? How did you deal with when you were angry, when you were a boss, when you were whatever? How did you deal with that?
2: Well, I mean, somebody gave me advice really early on um, that was good advice. Um, And that was, you don't, you lose your temper, you lose your power. And so I always tried to keep that in mind, not always successfully, but, but I did believe that. And yeah. also that you don't lose your shit. You know, if you're gonna have a fight at work, have it with somebody who's like near you on the totem pole, not yeah. some assistant or poor fact checker who's just doing their job. Yes. Um, I, I remember once being so angry in a meeting where they told us that they, the bosses told us they weren't giving us any money for the website. hmm that I mm-hmm. started to cry because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, I haven't tried tears yet. Like rage isn't working. Maybe tears will work. They didn't in the end. Um, but I, I did have to work with some really difficult people and um, mostly on the business side of things, I have to say. And I just swallowed all that anger You know, I mean, there's a reason why I got migraines for most of the time I was doing that job. I just, I I just, I just pushed it all down.
0: Yeah, I, when I was at Yahoo, where I was for six years and got like many promotions, like made a lot of money and got, kept getting promoted and it was a war zone because there was like a lot of corporate red tape to cut through. There were like really sexist executives. You know, I remember I having some fucking asshole telling me, you know, you should put more nip slips on the, on the, on the, I'm like, kidding? I'm not kidding. And also commented on how many, pre- how many pregnant people there were on my staff. I had a boss there who used to call me hot pants and like totally belittle me in, in uh, staff meetings. I was one of the only women. Because Yahoo had all of these different properties and it was like sports and business and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, the girls, the girls, Yahoo shine was like, you know, where the girls were. And we were doing like extraordinarily well. We were making, we were neck and neck at the biggest women's website in the world. And we brought in $42 million a year. It was like an, it was like an astronomical amount at the time for what we were and for how small my staff was. And I was angry all the time, every single day going into work, I was angry and it was not good for me physically or emotionally or the relationships in my life. It was all consuming, but it was very good in that job because I didn't take any shit. And I would be like, no, you're wrong about that. I just was, I was super confrontational in a way that Silicon Valley, I don't think they were and right. I I was able to really move really quickly through bullshit and cut through it and also create ground cover so that my staff could be creative and have a good time. Like they had, they were pretty happy. So in that way, I, I used anger really effectively. And I was, I was listening to Kara Swisher be interviewed the other day and Kara Swisher is just like a no bullshit confrontational, like, why are you saying that? don't say that. Uh That's stupid. Don't say that. And that's the kind of angry. And I don't even know if this is angry. This is just like assertive. That's the kind of assertive. Most women don't get to be that sort of thing that we really like that swashbuckling thing that like we Mm -hmm. really respect in men. Yep. But we don't. But when a woman does, it, it's like, Oh, 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 calm down.
2: It totally is. And in fact, I jeopardized a close friendship with a male friend years ago because I was at a dinner party at his house and told one of the women who said something very stupid that I called her on it. Mm -hmm. And another woman who was at the party said, you know, that guy loves to mix it up with his friends. You know, they're always arguing about shit, but if a woman says something confrontational to another woman, there's something really wrong with it.
0: Totally. Totally like this is part of like I don't even know if this is angry like this is part of like a way to know people that's not like about this like passive aggressive niceties I would so much rather something and not everybody is like this this is the thing this is a stylistic difference I would rather somebody say something straight to me hey what you said hurt me hey that's not cool hey yeah I would so much rather that than a dance, a dance, a dance, a dance, a dance around that makes me feel crazy and unsafe.
2: Yeah. Well, I think about a friendship I lost, a fr- another guy friend. Maybe I should stop having guy friends. Mm. Um, <laughs> who just like out of the blue, stop returning my phone calls and texts. And I can still get so angry just thinking about like, The rudeness of that, the meanness of that. And I know that it's, you know, it's all hurt. Yeah. You know, and also, but it's I'm angry because I won't ever know. Yeah. Like what the fuck did I do? Probably something, but I don't know what. Well, that goes
0: back to the Dr. Marissa Franco thing of like you should never ghost somebody because it hurts it hurts them. It hurts them so much more. And it like sort of leaves I forget how she called it, but it leaves them with like this 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 loss that they can't really resolve that's better to
2: know. It's always better to know. It's It's always better better to know. know. I think, I think, I mean, I grew up with a lot of fighting in my house. It was actually pretty quiet. Mm. I think that, you know, my parents, when they argued, did it behind closed doors. But I also never saw them be affectionate with each other.
0: Wow. So they never fought. So your dad's drinking
2: was not volatile. He did his biggest drinking when we were asleep at night.
0: Okay.
2: And then when my parents did divorce, when my mom did tell him she wanted to get a divorce um, and he moved out, then his drinking got more volatile. Then, or at least it got less ignorable.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I could blame the anger in my family on alcohol. I think there was just, everybody was just angry just angry i mean i was telling you a story about my 90 year old grandmother she's angry she's angry in the nursing the nursing home (laughs) she was telling me i was like how are you doing are they treating you well and she was like if they don't i'll kick their ass she's (laughs) 90
2: (laughs) it's amazing um no i when's the last time you were furious
0: i was furious this weekend I was furious this weekend. I was furious this weekend exactly for the thing I just laid out where I've been asking for this time and I can't get this time. And um, I was just, I was just kind of walking around the house furious. I mean, look, I'm also fucking on fire. I'm physically on fire, but like you asked, you asked me in a text, like when was the last time I had a tantrum I don't know. I mean, look, I do have a kid, so I have to like tamp it down a bit. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I'm furious a lot. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm often furious. How about you?
2: I mean, I feel like I've got this. Like, um it's it, my older brother Mike said this thing that I've always really liked. He said about himself, "I am only ever five minutes away from any anger I've ever had."
1: Interesting. And
2: I can do that. Like I can I can journey to the past and get yeah. angry about something that happened 20 years ago like it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm very Old Testament that way.
0: Yeah, my that's that is one one thing. My my anger is is fast. It's just a shoot up. I need to say the thing and then it goes away and then everything's fine. But I don't think that that I don't think that that makes people feel safe, that, that kind of anger. I think that people have to know me for a long time to, to be able to feel okay about that. So I, I, I feel badly about that. I've, I've had to work on it. Like I have, to, I have to take timeouts. I have to make sure I don't let fights, arguments escalate because mm-hmm. I also, I don't know if I like arguing, but I'm good at it. Um, and I'm a pretty good litigator. So, and then, but it doesn't matter if you win, everybody loses, you know, when you're like, when you're saying things to, you know, to your partner, when you say you don't, people don't do this with friends anymore, when you're saying things to a partner and it's just getting it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, like nobody's winning at that point. So I've had to learn to walk away to not block an exit. If, if somebody else wants to walk away to not mm-hmm. like stand in the doorway and be like, what, where are you going? We're having this conversation.
2: Right.
0: To really allow more spaciousness. I've had to actively practice that not necessarily counting to 10, but actively being like, okay, this is an emotional timeout. We're going to be a lot better if we come back to this tomorrow. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know what? Now's a good time to take a break.
1: (laughs) Quick break (laughs) for some
0: ads. Let's take a quick break for some ads.
1: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
0: Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it. Do it.
2: And we're back. You know what um, I was thinking about was just how I was raised as far as anger goes. And how many times somebody said to me at some point, tell us how you really feel, Kim.
1: Oh, yes,
2: that one. <laughs> Which makes me just want to like, uh, like really kill somebody. But that like impl- you never heard that said to men or to boys. It was always to girls. Or if you say something bitchy or angry about another woman and someone says, rare, there's like this this implication that women's anger is somehow specifically and specially ugly yeah. because it's on women. Yeah. I realize like now that I got someone who can do it for me, every time I've got to talk to a doctor's receptionist about insurance or, you know, car stuff or, you know, anything when we had COVID, it's like I just put him on the phone. It just gets it done faster. It's just like it gets it done better and faster. He's he actually is really, you know, he never shies away from a confrontation.
0: No, I know. We had like something with our Wi-Fi during the pandemic. And um it, like the I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but during like the worst time of the pandemic when like everybody needed Wi-Fi. Like there was school was dependent on Wi-Fi, everything we were doing professionally was dependent on Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera. And I had called. So many times to try to get this Wi Fi thing fixed. And not, you know, not passively. I'm sure. And Alex called, got mad, asked to speak to the next person up the chain, asked to speak to the next person up the chain. And we had a person who came out and fixed our Wi
2: Fi the next day. Yeah. And it's, it's infuriating. <laughs> you know, I know a woman. I knew her years ago and she had a brain tumor um, and she went to the hospital because she was having horrible headaches before it was diagnosed. And um, the doctor's asking her questions about all sorts of stuff. So one was your last sexual encounter? Was it with a man? She's like, no, I'm a lesbian and just tons of questions. And she was being really, she was like really scared and worried. So she's asking a lot of questions. Right. right. She finds out two or three doctors. You know, because every doctor sees the same chart. Right. You know. Right. She finds out two or three doctors down the line that the doctor she had seen first wrote at the top of her chart, hysterical lesbian.
0: I mean, it's hard to even get into... It's hard to even get into the healthcare stuff. I had, a—I think I've said this on the podcast before that I had a doctor a couple of years ago, I was having a lot, a lot of things going on in my body. I think it was probably early perimenopause and his immediate reaction was after I explained all of this to him was how's your supported home one and how's your mental health and I was like, this isn't about my mental health. Like, I'm not feeling well. I'm not crazy. I'm not feeling well. And it was like that thing of like, okay, okay. Yep. You know, basically, simmer down, simmer down, calm down. Which telling somebody who is emotional to calm down has that ever solved right?
2: <laughs> in the history of the world? And it's never of the worked world. once. No, no.
0: And I, I, you know, I think that what's happened to me, like, even though I'm saying to you, I'm so mad all the time. I do think that something that's happened to me, the messaging that I've gotten is that I have tamped down a lot of my righteous anger and a lot of my useful anger. And I think I have become more passive professionally and even interpersonally, because I think I just felt like I had to. And I feel a little bit sad about that because I do think that it, There was, there's some, there are some real uses to, to being angry.
2: It's true. But I will say, and I know you said more passive, but I just, passive is never a word I would use to describe you. (laughs) Just in a thousand bajillion years. And I will say that, you know, you know, you, you definitely were an angrier person when we met. Yeah. But you still have all the edge. You still have all the pokey little edge.
0: Yeah. I mean, lucky made me feel really insecure. I think, you know, I think that was just a, a class issue. Like I was just, I think I was triggered all the time when I was in Condé Nast, it was just a bad, bad fit for me. Um, but it was just a lot of class stuff. It was hard to be, it was hard to come from the background I came from and then have so much emphasis be on, money and consumption. And, you know, if, if your husband's a, a, in mutual funds or whatever the fuck the other banking is, but one of them's better, <laughs> <and> like,
2: <laughs>
0: you know, I remember these conversations happening and just being like, Oh my, like, I don't, this is so yeah. far out of my realm of understanding. And I was, I was, I was triggered a lot in that, in that environment. I think
2: well, so, God, the elevator rides alone were always. There was nothing like taking the elevator at Condé Nast. No,
0: there was there was nothing there was nothing like it, and
2: at, just the the yeah. the like, no matter how good you were feeling that day, you get in the elevator and you're with people who just want to suck the life out of you.
0: And I had never aspired to. I aspired to many things, but I had never aspired to wealth and the status of wealth. Like that was never. Mm-hmm important to me that was not what I was looking for out of work which you know for better or worse I was not really I didn't really care about money well, I none of us do work
2: yeah none of us got into publishing for the money
0: uh, no I don't think that we did and I don't think that you know the, the core people that we respected but I think some people did I think some people got in it for status
2: for status for sure
0: And I was genuinely there, not like I was some angel, but I was genuinely there for the words, for the work, for the, the challenge to see how far I could go creatively. Like that was, that was genuinely what I cared about. I did not care about, you know, a bag. You know, like, I like clothes and I like style, but I didn't care about, you know, the status thing. As a matter of fact, yeah. I kind of, I recoiled from that. I still do. I don't, you know, I don't want anything. Yeah, I don't shit. like it either. I don't like it, and you don't either.
2: I think the thing that was funny to me when I started working at Condé Nast was I was like, oh, huh. I forgot that whole part, or I forgot to do that whole part where you marry someone with money. That's, yes. You know, like. I just totally flaked on that, yeah, <laughs> yes. 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 yeah,
0: I don't know if that was ever an op- was that ever an option like I don't feel like those dudes liked me. I mean, it's not like I was like anti their money, I just don't feel like i those dudes liked me those bank dudes,
2: well, no, the bank dudes i, I don't i, I didn't even- I don't even know where I would have gone to meet them, I mean, yeah. you know, I just knew scrubby indie rock guys, same
0: same just one scrubbier than the next and i liked them
2: (laughs) it's so true but i just i just thought like some girls know that from the start i never figured that out oh well
0: i never figured it out but also i didn't like it i didn't like i didn't like that dynamic i knew that dynamic was not going to be for me I knew that being supported financially by a man would make me feel disempowered in a way that was intolerable to me.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So I I could have never accepted that. And I knew that I'd rather be like a weird poor bohemian rather than, but also all of it, because once you get into, once you get, I mean, this is off the topic of money, but like, once you get into just like money as status, you've just kind of lost everything. I I remember I was in, I was in a meeting. I was at a dinner once we were about to be acquired. um, I was at Hello Giggles and Hello Giggles was just like a crazy startup that was like, I got in there. I think I've said this before. They told me two years, we want an exit, build it up as big as you can. And then we want to sell it. And that was my mission. Build this motherfucking thing, make it look good, you know, make the book sound, but we're going to build this and then we're going to sell it and we're all going to make a little money. So I was out to dinner in a fancy, really fancy restaurant in L.A. Um, with a bunch of the money people. And a conversation was brought up about miles, about airline miles.
2: Mm-hmm. And if
0: you ever get into a conversation with people who are into airline miles, this shit is wild what they will do. OK, really? it is crazy to get to like it is almost like a cult to get to like the platinum status where you start getting the real perks. Like I don't, I, I can't even, I will never be able to understand it. But anyway, there's a certain flight. There's all these lingos to what you do, these tricks and tips, whatever. Now you need to have a baseline of a lot of money before you can ever do this, but whatever. There's, there's a flight that you can take to bump yourself over an amount of miles that people take just for the miles and then, turn around. So these people were talking about how oh yeah, I took that trip to whatever this is called. I took that trip to Singapore. Got out, got back on another plane and came home. And I was sitting there thinking we are not the same. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is no land where I would take a, a 25-hour flight to wherever it was Singapore get out and get back on another 25-hour flight for fucking miles and for status and clout at an airline, I would go into Singapore. (laughs) Yes, But it was just like, it was all about having this thing. It was all about the consumption. It was all about the treatment. It
2: was all about, you know, being important, having a VIP experience. That was my childhood in Houston, just in a nutshell especially as I got a little older, it was all about the car your parents gave you all about like when I, I was a teenager when preppy mania hit Mm -hmm. and it was Texas where everything has to be bigger. So people would get monogram sweaters, but they'd be like massive monograms right in the middle of their chest. And like, like everything about preppy style was supposed to be understated. So watching all these Texans try to like overstate this understated style. Yeah was just crazy and i remember a girl had a preppy party and she had a pink and a green cake that were shaped like Ralph Lauren polo ponies. Oh my god. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> See, i don't have any i have no understanding of that. I've no context for any of that stuff. I, I all like, you know, my best friend in high school had an alcoholic mom and lived in a trailer and like, you know, I we had a little more money, my friends had a little money, but it was like this was like middle class or lower middle class that I grew up in, and it was just not about any of that stuff. I mean, I had you know decent clothes because I I worked retail all through high school, um, and I worked a bunch of different jobs. But that's the other thing, I've always been working, I've been working my yeah. I've been working since I was 13, it's just a totally different value system, and I'll, I'll tell you that it just it just because of what I come from, it just makes me fucking sick because the lack yeah. of perspective makes me sick.
2: The la- And the, the perspective is the first thing to go.
0: Yeah, it is. It's the first thing to go. And I, you know, I've watched people get really wealthy, really rich, really powerful, really famous because I, you know, I've, I've been in the world now and I've worked adjacent to incredibly powerful people. And the perspective loss is crazy. Like when you start having Your staff refer to you, you know, by your last name that they need to call me Miss Romolini and they Mm -hmm. can't look me in the eye like something I never want to get to that level of success where I am so up my own ass that I can't see other people.
2: It makes me think of all the riders we got from the actresses we put on the cover. Oh, my God. Of Lucky. Oh, my God. Those riders were so funny. There was one actress. I won't say who it is, but she had a huge, long rider full of lots of snacks and lots of treats and lots of wine. She didn't touch anything but the wine. Like, everything else was a decoy.
0: No. and also, Right. Of course. That's amazing. But also, those were the weirdest, like being around people in new fame because we had a lot of people who were newly mm-hmm. famous and just trying on that hat, you know, just, it, it was
2: the first cover of many people. At, it, they were trying on the diva
0: hat, you know, and ways people, I mean, and I'm not going to say names, but the, you know, just people walking around with their tits out just would not put them away. And I was just like, okay, like there's a lot of us here, but you do you, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, I think I've said this before. Like one actress who just wouldn't—I was supposed to interview her. Her publicist knew I was supposed to interview her, and just would not stop plucking her mustache and beard, like just <laughs> while I'm sitting next to her. Just like, okay,
2: like I don't, amazing. Just be a
0: person. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I, know. I don't know. I don't know. Anger. Anger anger i got
0: angry just having this conversation
2: i know i feel that feeling inside i do too i feel gross yeah i feel
0: gross
2: (laughs) we're gonna have to both go do a little exercise to get this Uh, to cleanse ourselves well i hope this was fun for you guys
0: (laughs) i hope it was fun for you um i guess we're done um thank you for listening to everything is fine we are your hosts i'm jen romolini
2: and i'm kim france if you like the show please rate
0: and review it on all the platforms we're reading five-star reviews out loud we'll start doing that again next week um if you want to support the show's patreon and come to our live events That was your monthly over Zoom. We are at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We're on Instagram at EIF podcast. We're on Twitter. We have a private now Facebook group. um, Everything is fine podcast where people are sharing their stories about being older and midlife and menopause and all of it. We're also on Twitter. You can find Kim on her blog, girls of a certain age.com. And you can find me at tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romerini.